0: Happy Easter. All right, let's get into the word. Uh, we're going to start out here, Luke 24, verse 1 through 7, uh, verses 1, and then we'll, let's go ahead. But very early on Sunday morning, uh, the, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. Now, this stone is about six to 8,000 pounds. It would have used a, a machine to a harness to, to to move it, or it would have taken eight to ten guys to move this stone. The stone is also a seal, a Roman seal, that whoever is in the tomb is, in fact, dead. So a physician would have went through, checked all vitals to see if there was a pulse, any breathing, and... Um, you know they would have said, "Yeah, he's 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 a goner. He's he's dead." And so the stone was number one heavy, and number two, it was a seal. So Jesus was in fact dead, uh, at least when they left him. And so verse three. So they went in. The women they went in because they had prepared some burial spices for the linens that was going to swaddle his body. They went in. But they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. I like the word suddenly because it means that they were not there and they just appeared. So they just showed up. These are angels. Um, You ever notice I was brushing my teeth this morning, but if you're familiar with the the birth uh, of Christ, angels are just all over the place. It's a lot of angels, but I never noticed this in my 13, 14 years of study that you don't see him throughout the course of his life when he's doing his thing. You see him at the miraculous resurrection and at the miraculous birth. There's, there's something there. We'll dig into that some other time, but just an observation, something cool. But it says suddenly, and it says verse 5, the women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men ask these angels, it says, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He has risen from the dead. Remember what he told you? Remember what he told you? I think sometimes we get amnesia. God tells us something. He's faithful. And he says, remember what he told you? Back in Galilee, I love the realness of these angels. Remember what he told you back in Galilee? Like very specific, Annie. And he says this here, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Um, What was it? The top of February, my family and I, we went to uh, Orlando, Florida to visit Our family, my mom and dad are here, y'all. Let's celebrate God for them. Hey, hey, hey. Looking good. And uh, love you guys. Glad you're here. My nephew's here as well, y'all. Julius. Um, Yeah. And so we went to Orlando, and there was a leadership conference we had to go to as well. But we took some time to go to uh, Universal Studios. And uh, we went to uh, Harry Potter ride. Island Island of Adventures, two rides over there. Then we went over to Universal Studios, and um, it, it's, it's funny because you're, you're kind of walking, and, and, and uh, it's, it's as if you, like, you go behind this drape here. And, and we went behind this wall, and just this whole new world opened up. It's called the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Has anyone ever been there? Don't clap for that. This is Easter. Um, I shouldn't even be talking about Harry Potter. Um, all my Bible heads are like, "What kind of church is this?" Well, we—it gets weirder. Just stick with me. Um, and so we we go in, and I'm looking, and I'm, you know, like Judah is excited, and Jay is excited, and my wife is stoked, but low key on the inside, I am like excited to be here. I've never read a book, I've never seen a movie, but I'm just amazed at the artistry, and you see little kids with their Harry Potter costumes and. Have you ever had the uh what is it called the butter beer? oh my God, you got to get butter beer in your life. It's not real beer. see, I told you it was going to get weirder. um it's like a cream soda and all that good stuff, but it's amazing, Needless to say, going there, my son was excited because we were really going for Jay-Ziel, our ten year old but when i when I stepped into Harry Potter world, it exceeded my expectations like it I'm you know, wow, potter, you know, it's just weird stuff, like, uh, but I'm just, I'm blown away at Harry, Harry Potter world, and I, and I think I can, I can kind of connect this to the resurrection in the sense that they went to the tomb, they expected him to be there, and he was not there. And in my study this week, there was something that the Lord put on my heart. He told me this, our first point of the day, if you're taking notes, is that God doesn't meet our expectations. He exceeds them. He exceeds our expectations. And so I got to thinking, like, the resurrection, and if if you really study what the word means, and if you're taking notes, resurrection means to stand up, to stand up. So they went to the tomb, and they expected to see a body lying down, dead, lifeless. The resurrection has now, for me, become a window of sorts. And when you think about a window, um, windows were not originally designed to look in, but to look out. And we just concluded a series called Optimal Outlook, that God wants us to have the best and most favorable attitude towards life. He doesn't want our expectations to be low. He doesn't want them to be, minimal. He doesn't want them to be lacking faith or lacking hope or lacking dreams. God wants our expectations to be high and up. And so I thought about this window because I was trying to escape my studying from optimal outlook and and, and see what God was showing me, but I couldn't get away from our windows. These windows have been here for a month, and I started thinking about the resurrection. Optimal, if you're taking notes, it means best or most favorable. Outlook is a general attitude towards life. So, on one hand, when he was on earth, Jesus, he started his ministry raising the dead, healing the sick, healing the blind. They expected him to be a worldly Messiah that was going to put Israel back on top of the world stage. But he died. He died. Then, when he died, they went to the tomb and they expected him to be dead. But he wasn't there. And I think what God is trying to say to us this Easter season is instead of just purely looking at the resurrection, I mean, it it, it is the most powerful event in human history. We can't take anything away from that. But one thing we won't be in church this morning is we won't read a story. We won't read a poem. And we won't just recall what we already know. He got up. Let's look at this thing with some fresh perspective. Let's look at this thing with some daily encouragement and some, get some power out of it and some perspective out of it that we can take into every single day. And so I'm looking at the resurrection and I'm like, the resurrection is really, if, if, if anything, a lot of things, but the resurrection provides us an outlook. Yeah. Having an expectant outlook. I don't know what you came to church for this morning. I don't know if it's let me get cute. Let me get handsome. Let me just go and, and check my box off and have a nice little Easter dinner and not be changed. But I, I don't think that you go to a tomb. <laughs> you, go, you go to I don't think you go to a tomb and, and look for a dead man and he's not there and you leave the same way that you came in. I think there's something that's supposed to change a little bit. We know he got up that's a given but what do we take from it I think it's a daily expectation I think we can get up every day and look out the window and we can expect something great every day we can expect (laughs) to win we can expect to rise we can expect to overcome. I'm preaching too soon. So let, no, 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 don't, don't give me that. The first point is this, is today. Don't give me that. I want to give you a message entitled The Window of Expectation. If you, if you should come back for the 11, it'd be better. I don't know my content right now, but I'm, I'm going to get into it. The Window of Expectation, point number one is this. I expect, I expect God's presence in my life. That's point number one. I expect God's presence in my life. Uh, it was summer of 2014, and, and uh, I was outside playing basketball with my oldest kid. And uh, I went up for a pump fake. Any basketball players in here? Pump fake. Pump fake. Went up for a pump fake. He goes to defend me, and he pokes me right in my eye. Cuts my cornea. Ugh. Cuts my cornea. Now, this is the second time that this has happened. It happened to me when I was 18 years old. I'm out three days, dark room, Vicodin, no, not Vicodin, Oxycontin, Tylenol, Ibuprofen, dark room, shades, I'm in my room, three days, dark, can't do anything. Fast forward three years later, play fighting with Judah. You know, three days before the biggest wedding I'll ever perform in my life, because I love these two people so much, Megan and Chris, Kondro, Giannis, wherever they are, let's give it up for them. Our creative director. Three days before a wedding, I'm playing with my baby boy, Judah. We're play fighting. Uh, All right, Judah, no more. We're done. Bam! Right in the eye. Cut the same cornea. Same eye three times since I was 18 years old. I'm back in my room in the dark, hating life. My mom's there. My wife is there. Everyone is there. I go to the doctor. He doesn't give me a contact bandage. He says it's going to hell right before the wedding. And so my kids have put me out of commission, both of them, three days at least. And I think about uh, how we've all sinned against our Heavenly Father. In the Bible, it's not a condemning statement, it's a truth. We all are sinners. Um, the word sin is an archery term if you're taking notes, and it means to miss the mark. There are 600 laws in the Old Testament, so when Jesus was on the earth, Every day, someone was failing at fulfilling those 600 laws in the Old Testament. It was sin. We were missing the mark. As a result of sin, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. The word death, if you're taking notes, means separation. So when Adam and Eve sinned, what happened in the garden? They were separated from all that God had for them. And so what happened is is that Jesus came upon the earth, and he took on our sin. And he lived a sinless life. And um, that's what ultimately put him on the cross. Jesus was beaten with a flagellum. And so I'm going I'm to teach a little bit here. He was beaten with a flagellum, a cat of nine tails. And at the end of each rope, there was nails, glass, and rocks. And so he was tied to a, a, s- a stone. And, and his arms were like this. If you've ever seen The Passion of the Christ, it is a, a, a great depiction of what happened. And so they beat him countless times. Now, if you were a Jew and the Jewish authorities were beating him, 39 stripes, stripes maximum. But the Romans didn't have any maximum. They beat him until they got tired. And this was all for our sin. And so they beat him. And a lot of historians say by the time they were done with his body, uh, ribs were broken. Um, his kidneys were exposed. Um, and then they put a crown of thorns on his head for our sin. And so they put him on a cross, and when they put him on the cross, they nailed his hands. They put his feet on top, and they put a nail through both feet. And what he had to do was, in order to breathe, he had to. <sighs> and so imagine the, the open back, the wounds, the infections, the, the, the pain. But I'm thinking because when I think about my eye and being in the dark for three days, I wasn't like, oh, my God, my kids, I'm going to get them back. I'm going to kill them. I'm going to wreck life. Everyone's punished. You too, babe. Everyone, you're you're out of here. You're punished. And I'm thinking when he was on the cross because I think about the thief and he's. And the thief is like, this man has done nothing to deserve this. And he says, today, Lord, when you enter in your kingdom, remember me. On this day, you will be with me in paradise. I'm thinking like... Even though he was hurt, even though he was wrecked for our sin, even though he was put to shame, even though he was stripped naked, even though he had a crown of thorns, he still wanted to be with us. He still wanted to be with mankind. He still wanted to bless us. He still wanted to be present with us. You think I'm thinking in my room, I can't wait to kill. No, I want to be with my kids. I want to feed my kids. I want to play with them again. Come on, Jay, grab the basketball. Let's play. Come on, Judah, let's play fight. And Jesus is like, it's all good. This is why I came. I came to set them free. I came to die for them. I came to give them true life. I came to resurrect. This is a part of it. Me being on this cross, it's all a part of the plan. So that they can be free. So that I could be with them. So that they could have true life. This is all a part of the plan. So they came looking for a dead man. But he was already in their presence. God's mad at me. Hello. It was all for us. God's out to get me. Hold on. (laughs) You got the wrong God. Don't be talking about Satan. He's lowercase g. He's out to get you. The, The God of the cross is out to be with you. The God of the cross set you free. The God of the cross died for your sin. The God of the cross died so that we wouldn't die so that we would have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only begotten son, and whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The God of the Bible, the God, the Lord Jesus Christ, loves you. Come on, church. Come on. He is for you. He's for you. And so it's all about that expectation. It's the presence of God. And let's keep reading because this is very interesting. Further in the chapter, Luke 24, it says this, verse 36. And just as they were talking about Jesus, like man, he wasn't because the women went back and they told the men, and they started talking about it, and he hadn't appeared yet. Jesus Himself, look at this word, suddenly. Yeah. They were behind a wall. They were in a room talking about Jesus, and that sucker, that sucker came in in his fully glorified form. I like my, I like you two right here. You guys are amazing. You just, I feel the love here. They came. He came through that wall in his fully glorified form. Yeah. What's up, y'all? Suddenly, he didn't open the door, he didn't knock on it, he came on through. So we put him on a cross, we look for him at the tomb, he's not there, and now he's with us. Let's see what he's about to do. Because some of y'all looking at me funny, oh, God wants to be with me. Let's watch this, this is so fun, when I studied it, watch this. Suddenly, standing there among them, peace be with you. God's out to get me. Empty tomb. The first words out of his mouth to be with you. We feel this. You feel that love. Today, I expect God's presence. In my life and he says this here he says this here I'm sorry I'm preaching to myself let me read the text he says this here but the whole group was startled and frightened thinking that they were seeing a ghost why are you frightened Don't be afraid why are your hearts filled with doubt look at my hands look at my feet you can see that it's really me touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies I'm back As you see that I do, as he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. They stood there in disbelief, filled with joy. I love that there's something deep here. If you really dig into this, you can be in a season where you're full of doubt, but you can still have joy. You don't know the next move, you don't know how that thing's gonna work out, you don't know how that thing's gonna come together but you can still have joy because he is with you. And it says this here, disbelief, full of joy and wonder. And then they asked him, then he asked them. (laughs) See, when I read the Bible, this is how I read it. I'm not just, do you have anything here to eat? Like, man, look, I've been laying down for three days, dad. Like, y'all tripping, I'm hungry. He wants to be with you. Almost messed McKitney up on that one. He wants to be with you. He wants to spend time with you, love on you, lavish his goodness on you, eat with you, write with you, lay down with you, speak to you. I can expect God's presence every single day. And he ate as they watched. The second thing that the resurrection shows me is is that I can expect God to move in my life. So he's not just there. (laughs) You know, after he eats, he has some things to do. The Bible teaches that he was with them for 40 days after his resurrection. So he was with them for a month and a half. I can expect God to move in my life. We got a phone call a little under a year ago. And um, uh, my father was very sick and we had all been praying for him church. And um we just I was talking with him the other day about this, just saying, Dad, you were you were you were gone. Right, babe? Amen. Amen. It's so, dad, you were gone and he, he doesn't remember any of it. And so they took him back to do the heart surgery. And um you know, we got all the doctors and all the nurses because it it was tough getting the care that he needed and my wife used to be a nurse at this hospital. I used to work there as a secretary. So we, we reached out to all of our connections. We utilized our influence, everything that we knew to do to get him the service that he needed. They took him back into surgery. You didn't foresee this. I didn't foresee it either. When he came up to the floor to recover from his heart surgery, um, and this just broke me, and it, it broke you too, there was a, um, a trach tube in his throat and i felt guilty about it because we comforted him before surgery that it was going to be okay but we didn't we didn't suspect him coming out of surgery there was going to be a, a tube in his throat and so the, the 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 next thing was was that we don't know if he's ever going to be able to breathe again on his own and so pastor Kyra, the same it was unexpected we didn't think it through and so we're trying to think What's the answer? We reached out to our influences. We reached out to our connections. All the doctors are on the same page. Everyone's on the same page. But we're limited in this area. We're limited. It's funny because when they wrapped the body of Jesus, he was swaddled tightly. And so, whenever they swaddled you, it was just like mommy, like you're not moving, you're, you're done. <laughs> limited movement. And so, we were limited. And I think the, the, the most annoying portion or part of this story is, is that we were limited in knowledge, not knowing. And we had to get back on the road to get to the church. We had kids, we had bills to pay, but we had to, we had to get back on the road. We had to move on because we ran out of moves. But three days later, we got a phone call, and they had removed the tube from out of his throat. Because when we run out of moves, Jesus is still moving. And he's sitting right here full of life. Come on, we can praise God for that. That's how you get a miracle. We're not going to give it quiet, church. On Resurrection Easter, he's still moving. It's a window of expectation. He's teaching us to have an expectation. He's not done healing. He's not done providing. He's not done doing miracles. He's not done being faithful. It's a window. And he sits here alive, walking on his own, looking better than he's ever looked. But the resurrection provides a window of expectation. Yeah. He's moving. He's moving. A lot of you are in a season where where is God? He's moving. <laughs> he, he's moving in the unseen. There were hours before. I'm sure Jesus, was, as a matter of fact, there's a story between when he resurrected and when he got to the room with them. It's, um, we'll preach it one Easter or we'll do a series on it. It's, it's the road to Emmaus. It's this guy named Cleopas and his friend, and they're just walking and they're talking. Oh, man, like, he wasn't who we thought he was. And then the Bible says he just appeared, and he started walking with him. Is that what y'all talking about? That was his first appearance. What y'all talking about? And they're like, haven't you heard all of these things in Jerusalem? Jesus of Nazareth was... We thought he was going to be the earthly Messiah. We thought he was going to pay all our bills and make everything perfect and put us back on the top of the world. But he didn't come for that. He came for our hearts and our souls. (laughs) And so he's like, I am he. And then it says he suddenly disappeared. He's moving. You get what I'm saying? There there are prayers and there are things you're concerned about and there are things you're doubting. There are things that you need. And and, and he is moving. I'll, I'll show this to you. There's a guy named Lazarus in the scripture. And um, Jesus is doing ministry in another city. Come on, lock in with me. Listen in, listen in. Jesus is doing ministry in another city. And report gets to him that Lazarus is sick. He's one of Jesus' best friends. Um, He has two sisters, Martha and Mary. Uh, Martha is, she cleans up, she sets up the church and all that. Mary just wants to sit at Jesus' feet. She wants to put oil on his feet and worship him with her hair. So they're amazing sisters. They love Jesus to death. Lazarus was a best friend. He was well-connected. He was a great man. Lazarus got sick. Jesus was in another city. News gets to him. and The Bible says that Jesus heard the news, and you know what he did? He's, uh, he's he's doing his thing and sick okay yeah, um hey everybody blah, blah 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 he kept teaching and he kept healing in that city for two days. His best friend is dying, and he's not in a rush. where is God where, where, where is he he's dying and he's not in a rush. So he gets finished with his assignment His assignment in that city. You have an assignment on your life, so don't rush out of this current season. He sits there, finishes his assignment, because he obeys God before he does anything else. He does the will of the Father. He says, all right, guys, let's go. We've got to go to Judea. He said, Jesus, you want to go to Judea? They want to kill you in Judea. I know that. Let's go to Judea goes. And this is where we're going to pick up the narrative. John 11. Martha said, Master, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Even now, I know that whatever you ask God, he will give you. Jesus said, your brother will be raised up. Martha replied, I know that he'll be raised up in the resurrection at the end of time. I know it'll happen one day. Not <laughs> one day. I, I know God will move one day. When I get my money right. When I get proposed to. When they apologize and I'll feel better. I know it'll happen one day. Jesus, hold on, hold on, hold on. I want to do something today. He said this here at the end of time. I love this. He says, you don't have to wait for the end. I am right now. Resurrection and life. The one who believes in me, even though he or she dies, will live. And everyone who lives believing in me does not ultimately die at all. Do you believe this? It can happen now. And he goes on. We'll skip down here. Verse 37. Others among them said well if he loved him so much you you keep going to church you keep tithing you keep praying you keep reading your bible if God was real he would do this and he says this here if he loved him so much why didn't he do something to keep him from dying after all he opened the eyes of a blind man then Jesus anger again welling up within him not at the people but at death and what death did to us so I want to make that clear Jesus doesn't need like a You know, he's all right. He's full within himself. He's not mad because of what they're saying. He's mad because of death welling up in him, arrived at the tomb, and it was a simple cave in a hillside with a slab of stone laid up against it. Jesus said, remove the stone. Remove the stone. The sister of the dead man, Martha, said, Master, by this time there's a stench. He's been dead for four days. There's this belief in this time that within the first three days of you being dead, that your spirit hovered over your body. So the reason he waited, number one, he waited two days. And then number two, it took two more days to get back to Judea, four days. He's, he's perfect in his calculations. He is God. The reason why he waited for four days is to dismantle and to, to disarm the superstition. And so and Lazarus was, in fact, dead. This was an impossible situation. It was over. The diagnosis had came. The cancer was there. The, the, the house break-in was there. The, the, the Whatever you lost was there. They just spit in your face and they left. The heartbreak was there. It was dead. It was dead. It was dead. It was dead. It was done. So he waited four days because it was dead. And he was setting it up for the glory of God. He was moving. And it says this here. He says this in four days. Then Jesus looked at her in the eye. Didn't I tell you if you believed? That you would see the glory of God. Then to the others, go ahead and take away the stone. They rolled the stone. It was a lot of guys. Jesus raised his eyes to heaven and prayed, Father, I'm grateful that you have listened to me. He already claimed it. I'm grateful. He hasn't even talked about it. He says, I'm grateful you've listened to me. It's his faith. And watch this here. He says, I know you always do listen, but on account of this crowd standing here, I've spoken so that they might believe that you sent me. Then he shouted, "Lazarus, come out!" Because then he just said, "Come out!" Every dead thing in the funeral in the cemetery would arose. He had to say, "Lazarus, come out! Doubt, come out! Fear, come out! Kid, come out! Dream, come out! Vision, come out! Live again!" I'm here, I'm moving, I've been moving, you're always on my mind, come out, Lazarus, come out, and he came out, the cadaver, wrapped from head to toe, with a kerchief over his face, and he told his disciples, unwrap him, and let him loose, where do you need God to move in your life? The resurrection is all about movement. And more than that, it's about God's perfect timing. More than that, he wants to move today. Today, I think about a guy named Jabez in the Old Testament whose mother named him Pain. Uh, first Chronicles four, come close me out, uh keyboard. Jabez was a better man than his brothers. Watch this, a man of honor. His mother had named him Jabez, oh the pain. She she wrapped him in pain. And so a Jewish name is powerful because a Jewish name was prophetic. Whatever you were named, that would you become. Jesus' name in the Greek it means God is salvation. Yeah. It's also the name Yeshua or Joshua. So names are very important. But I love Jabez. He broke the mold because he had an expectation of the power and the move of God in his life. And he was a man of honor. So not only did he pray, but he was also a person of character. We got to stop praying and not having character. I think part of the reason why Lazarus raised is because he was a man of character. And so he's a man of honor. A painful birth, I bore him in great pain. Jabez prayed to the God of Israel, bless me. Oh, bless me. I know what my mom named me. I know what my life is wrapped up in. I know what I'm going through, but I expect you to bless me. Give me land, large tracts of land, and provide your personal protection. Don't let evil hurt me. God gave him what he asked. God moved. I just want to declare these two things over you today in light of the resurrection. Number one, you are free. I know it's Easter, but you should still take notes. You are free. And you're free because you're forgiven. Love that. That's a compound word forgiven. For means prior to. Given simply means you've been given something. So before we ever sinned, God pardon us through Jesus Christ. You're not far from God. God loves you. God wants you to bless you. And because you are forgiven, you are free to live out your God-given potential. You're free from the grips of sin and the grips of death, all forms. And the second thing I want to declare over you is that your best days are ahead. He got up, he appeared to them, he left a month and a half to heaven. And they did the same works that he did when he was on the earth. So they went from fear and terror and joy and hiding to changing the world. And as a result, I know we're here for Jesus this morning, but let me tell you something. If it wasn't for the disciples spreading the gospel, doing the impossible, raising the dead, healing the sick, healing the blind, we would not be here. Your best days are ahead in Jesus. You are free. You are forgiven. He is with you. He's on the move. Let's pray, church. Father, we love you. We give you glory and honor. Lord, we thank you for for the resurrection. God, we thank you, Lord, that you're with us you're moving we thank you Lord that we are free and we are forgiven and that in you our best days are ahead now with every head bowed you've never made Jesus your Lord today is your day Easter Sunday he loves you he came for you you can be free. You can have joy. You can have hope that abounds. So we're going to pray together as a church. And if this is your first time praying this prayer, coming to Christ, we want to celebrate with you afterwards. So just repeat after us. Father God, come on church. Father God, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I repent of my sin. Fill my heart with your spirit. I believe that Jesus rose from the grave so that I would live. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's celebrate, church. Let's celebrate. Come on. Praise God. If that's your first time praying that prayer, we have a gift for you at the Blue Tent. God bless you. Have a great day.